I want to bring a message today that I brought in Grenada in the open air market. And I'm going to illustrate, I, I got this, what we call a machete, so I better put it out now so someone may not get scared if I jerk it out unexpectedly. Uh, they call them down there a cut. I still have it wrapped up because it's, it still has grease on it to keep it from rusting, so I've just left it like that since I brought it back. But that's quite a knife, isn't it? They call, again, they call them a cutlass. We call them a machete here. And so uh, I brought that uh, because I want to make a point today. Matthew chapter 5, and uh, we'd like to begin reading with verse uh, uh, number 27, if you'll turn there, please. Matthew chapter 5 and verse, uh, verse number 27. And he said, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, for another privilege to preach your word. And I realize, O oh God, that without you I can do nothing. Lord, my only desire is just to be a vessel in your hand that you could fill and use. God, may I speak what you would say if you were here. And I pray, O oh God, that you would give me understanding of the Word of God, the power to deliver the words. Speak to your hearts today, Lord, save that one that's nearest hell. And I pray you would revive your people and stir our hearts and renew our vision of the awfulness of hell today. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I'm, I'm speaking to you on roadblocks on the road to hell. Uh, someone said, uh, or may say, you know, why don't you preach like Jesus preached? He preached on the Beatitudes. He preached on love. I chose this scripture in particular because the first part of Matthew chapter 5 has the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are they that mourn, and so forth. And so in the same message, in the same chapter, that Jesus preached about the Beatitudes and about love. He also preached about hell. In fact, Jesus preached about hell more than any other character in the Bible, more than any other preacher in the Bible. He preached about hell more than any other subject in the Bible. He preached 22 times on the subject of hell. And so if it was, if it was important enough for Jesus to preach that often on the subject, then it's important that we preach on it. Now the Lord said hell is such an awful place. Here in the first recorded sermon of Jesus, he said hell is such an awful place. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. It'd be better to go to, uh, to heaven having one eye. That is one, that doesn't mean you'll have one eye in heaven. But to go through life with only one eye, than to go to hell. Hell is that bad. 
Hell is so bad that he said, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. And that's the reason I brought this knife. Can you imagine taking this knife and putting your hand down there, and if this was good and sharp, it'd do the job. And taking that knife and cut your hand off. And in Mark chapter 9, he said, if your foot offends you, cut it off and cast it from you. What the Lord is saying, you'd be better to go through life with one eye and one hand and one foot and come to know God than to go through life having all of that intact and go to hell. That's how bad hell is. We used to have a, a man that come to church here. He told a true story about his dad. He had a toe that, uh, that kept bothering him. It had gout in it or, or a form of arthritis, whatever there. And it kept hurting and hurting. And so uh, he went to the doctor. The pains probably know who I'm talking about. Uh, he went to the doctor and uh, to get the doctor to take it off. And the doctor would not take his toe off. So this man took some ice and put it on his toe and got it real cold and took some pruning shears and cut his toe off. I'll tell you, he's got a lot, he's got a lot more grit than I've got. And yet, can you imagine that? I, you know, that just kind of makes me cringe when I think about it. And yet the Lord is, is illustrating that. He said, if your hand offend you, if your eye, he just got through talking about if you look on a woman to lust. A person may say, that's a big problem of mine. I can't get saved. I can't overcome that problem. That's sin. The Lord says, you'd be better to pluck your eye out. You'd be better to cut your hand off. You'd be better to cut your foot off than to go to hell. Hell is that bad. And in the last recorded sermon of Jesus in Matthew 23, 33, he said, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? The first recorded sermon he preached, he preached on hell. The last recorded sermon he preached, he preached on hell. You know what Jesus is telling us? He says, don't go to hell. Hell is such an awful place. And it was the Lord Jesus that gave us the true story in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. He said, there was a certain rich man. This is not a parable. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. The rich man died and was buried, and in hell he lifted up his eyes. Jesus told that, and it is a true story. Some will uh, foolishly say, well, when I get to hell, I'll have plenty of company. I'll be with all my buddies. All my friends have gone to hell, so I'm going to hell. I want to tell you that nobody wants you in hell. Anybody that goes to hell goes as an intruder. You are not welcome there. The rich man didn't want his brothers to come to hell. He said, send Lazarus to warn my brothers not to come here. Hell is an awful place. And we need to realize that. Now God has set up a number of roadblocks to keep us out of hell. And the first roadblock is the precious Word of God. In Luke 16, the story that Jesus gave there about the rich man and Lazarus. And, 
And uh, the rich man is begging Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead to warn his brothers not to come to hell, lest they come unto this place of torment. And verse 29 of Luke 16, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Abraham said they have Moses and the prophets. Now Moses wasn't alive and the prophets were not alive at that time. What's he talking about? That Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible and then you have the course of Psalms and you have the prophets that wrote the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament scripture really. Uh, even David and those that wrote the Psalms were considered prophets as they received the message of God. What he is saying is they have the written word of God. Let them hear that. And uh, the rich man said, well, they won't listen to that. Somebody send somebody from the dead. Abraham said if the word of God doesn't persuade them to be saved, nothing will get them saved. And so God has raised up the word of God to keep us out of hell. Do you realize how much the Bible is hated? And how the Bible has tried to have been destroyed and the Catholic Church tried to keep the Bible from the people and so unless they come and know the truth and, and how, how people have hated the Bible and tried to get rid of it and yet the Bible is still here and the Bible will remain. There's a poem that has been a favorite of mine for a long time and it goes like this. Last Eve I paused beside the blacksmith shop and heard the anvil ring the vesper chime, and looking in upon the floor, I saw old hammers worn by beating ears of time. How many anvils have you had, as I, where that wore and battered all those hammers so? Just one, said he, and then with twinkling eye, the anvil wears the hammers out, you know. And so thought I, the anvil of God's word for aging skeptics bowls have beat upon, and though the noise of falling blows is heard, the anvil is unharmed and the hammers are gone. And so the word of God, God has preserved his word and kept his word so that you and I could be saved. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23, how important is the word of God? He says, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. We are born again by the word of God. That's the reason the devil hates the Bible. That's the reason he hates preaching. It's because it's the Word of God is the instrument of our salvation. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You say, well, I won't receive it. John 12, 48, He that rejecteth me receiveth not my words. Hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken the same to judge him in the last day. If you're here today, you're unsaved and you do not let the word of God birth you into the family of God, then the very word that you listen to today will one day condemn you and judge you. And so God has raised up the word of God to keep us out of hell. Now I want to say if you go to hell today, you'll have to climb over the word of God to get there. Because God has put this roadblock, as God put that roadblock in front of me one day, 
And uh, I had a choice of responding to the message or responding to the word or climbing over it and ignoring it. And I chose to receive it. Not only has he given us the precious word of God, but he's also given us the power of Holy Spirit conviction. In John 16, 8, and when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the word of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And so God sent the Holy Spirit to apply the word of God. The Holy Spirit to bring conviction in our heart. As Paul preached there to Felix in Acts 24, 25, as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. In these nearly 30 years of preaching, you know, I've met very few that uh, intended to go to hell. Uh, most people plan to be saved sometime, someday, somewhere. That was Felix. He said, when I have a convenient season, when it's convenient for me, I'll get saved. I want to sin. I want to live for the devil. I want to live for self. And one of these days when I get sick and get old and I'm not interested in those things anymore, then I'll get saved. I'll get saved when I get ready to get saved. That's what Felix was saying. And I'll say many others have said that since. And when they died, they met Felix in hell. God sent the Holy Spirit to convict old Felix. He was convicted by the Holy Ghost of God as Paul preached. But he would not respond to that conviction. He went on. And as far as we know, he died in his sin. You know, the Lord said in Genesis 6 and verse 3, He said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. In John, he said, no man can come to me except my Father which is in heaven draw him. I'm glad God dealt with my heart when I was a youngster. Revival meeting of Mac Hodge of preaching. And as he preached, I'd get a conviction. And I'd go home at night and I'd go to bed and I was full of fear because I was afraid that I might go to sleep and I'd die and go to hell. And I'd try to stay awake as long as I could. Uh, thinking in my mind, well, if I think I'm going to die, of course, I'd never died and didn't what it felt like. But I thought, well, if I think I'm going to die, then I can get saved right quick. But if I'm, awa- if I'm asleep, I may die and, and I'd be dead before I could do anything about it. I remember those thoughts. And uh, that went on for two or three nights and then God dealt with my heart and I couldn't stand it any longer. And I got saved. And one thing I remember about being saved more than anything else is when I went home that night, it didn't matter where I lived or died, I was saved. And, and the fear was gone. And uh, that's wonderful. And that's that conviction. Thank God for that conviction, for that desire for God, that desire to be saved. And so the power of the Holy Spirit conviction, God sent the Holy Spirit. He's given us the Word of God. And He's given us the Holy Spirit to keep us out of hell. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31 and 32, he says, Wherefore, I say unto you all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Do you realize there's only one sin that you can commit that God won't forgive you for? 
And that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. People say, what is that? I've been asked that many times. Some have said, well, that's suicide. If you kill yourself, you're dead, and you can't get forgiveness, then uh, that, could, uh, that must be the only sin that you can be forgiven for. Well, what if you have an evil thought and you die before you can confess it? What's the difference? It's not that at all. And, uh, and uh, there's been various other interpretations. You say, what is it? It's exactly what Jesus said it was. He said, if you speak a word against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven unto men. If you speak blaspheme in the Holy Spirit, is something you do with your tongue. The tongue is the only member of your body that you can commit a sin with that God won't forgive you for. And... Uh, uh, I believe the closest a person comes, the, the, the Pharisees were doing it when they ascribed to Satan the works of the Spirit. Jesus was casting out devils through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they called the Holy Spirit a devil. They said, that's nothing but the devil. And Jesus said, you have just sealed your doom. Because when you speak against the Holy Spirit of God till he won't bother you anymore, you can't get saved. When a person blasphemes the Holy Spirit uh, with their tongue and speaks in such a way against him uh, until he doesn't deal with them anymore, it's too late. I remember I used to go to church with a man and uh, he gave a testimony. Uh, he said he was in a church service and God dealt with his heart and he was, he was great in a conviction and he knew that he ought to be saved. And uh, uh, others were being saved, but he said, he, he said to the Holy Spirit, he said, get away from me and leave me alone. And he said, immediately, every bit of conviction left me. And he said, for 20-some years, God never dealt with me one time. And he said, God in his mercy and his grace gave me one more chance. And he says, when God dealt with me, you better believe I got saved. He got real close, didn't he? He got real close. The danger in saying, leave me alone, the danger in rejecting the Holy Spirit is rejecting the only thing that God has sent to bring us to him. And so God has raised up the roadblock of Holy Spirit conviction. Not only that, but he's raised up the roadblock of the prayers of God's people. The prayers of God's people. Uh, Dr. Monroe Parker uh, tells a story. I believe he's dead now, but he tells a story. Uh, many, many years ago, he was preaching, having a, a crusade, a citywide crusade in Kentucky. And uh, nothing much was happening. And he preached and he preached and he preached. And people were not coming and, and being saved. And he said one night as he preached, he said an invitation, a little girl crawled up in her daddy's lap and said, Daddy, I'm a praying for you. I don't want you to go to hell. And said that big man broke down, broke into tears and broke down that aisle and got saved. And he said that man was a stone that caused an avalanche. He stayed there, I forget how many weeks, and said over 700 people come to God in that, in that part of the, the country. And the prayers of a little girl praying for her daddy, I'm a praying for you. I don't want you to go to hell. Paul the apostle said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said he'd be willing to be a curse. He said, I'd go to hell if it would bring my people to the Lord. What a burden 
and, and, and what a desire uh, that he had uh, for the lost. Uh, you know, we've got a prayer list that uh, we'll update this coming Wednesday night, the good Lord willing. And people are praying uh, for the people's names on this prayer list. And I want to say, uh, if, if, if we have prayers, uh, a list there of people that are unsaved, and uh, praying for those to be saved that are lost. And I want to say today, if, if, if those that run that list, if they go to hell, they'll have to climb over the prayers of God's people to get there. Amen. And the concern and the love that people have to keep them out of hell. Carl Woodbury, uh, uh, you know, who uh, preached for nine and a half years before he was ever saved. And he said he used to visit this little, uh, little lady in the rest home. And uh, uh, he didn't know it until after he was saved. And he said uh, uh, when God saved him, he come to realize he was lost. And uh, said he, uh, he realized the, the day that he got saved, the night before, that that little, little lady in the rest home had prayed all night for God to save Carl Woodbury. He thought he was saved and was a preacher, but that little lady knew God and knew Carl Woodbury wasn't saved, and she prayed for God to save him, and God saved him. And I want to say today, if you're saved this morning, you're saved as a result of somebody's prayers. Somebody is concerned about you. And God give us, as Brother Thomason talked about in the opening, the brokenness and the concern that we need to have. We've lost it. And our hearts are not broken anymore about a lost and a dying world. We're not willing to pay the price to see our loved ones saved. If we can see hell as well to see it, as Bob Jones says, what the average Baptist church needs is for about six months of the preacher to preach Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night on hell. Not for the lost necessarily, but to awaken believers to the awfulness of hell. We've lost our vision and our burden about the awfulness of hell today. I'll tell you, hell is for real. And Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven and hung on a cross there with all the sin of the world upon him and felt the very pain of hell itself on that rugged cross as we'll demonstrate in the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. And he went through all that agony and all that suffering and all that heartache and all that he went through on that cross. He did that because there's a hell to keep people out of. If you go to hell... You'll have to climb over the prayers of God's people. And then if you go to hell, you'll have to go there over the preaching of the gospel. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 21, the preaching of the cross is of them that perish foolishness, but in us which are saved it is the power of God. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. He didn't say foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching. For, for the carnal mind, for the lost mind, preaching is foolish. But thank God for preaching. Preaching brought me to God. Preaching brought me to Jesus Christ. And it's the method that God has chosen. Somebody say, I don't like preaching. I don't enjoy preaching. I'll tell you, preaching is God's way of getting folks saved. And the Bible said in Romans 10, 13 and 14, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? God says somebody's got to give you the word of God. 
Doesn't mean that someone has to preach a sermon from the pulpit, but somebody's got to bring the Word of God to you. And uh, once you hear the Word of God, then you've got to believe the Word of God. You've got to believe what you hear. And then when you believe what you hear, you've got to act upon what you believe. You've got to call upon Him. And when you do that, God says, you're saved. You're saved. I want to ask you today, what more could God have done to keep us out of hell? If a man goes to hell, whose fault is it? What more could Jesus have done? People say, God's too good. God won't put me in hell. Don't you believe that? The Lord's doing everything he can to keep you out. And if a man rejects all these roadblocks and climbs over these roadblocks and ignores the warnings that God has given, I want to say to you that when he gets to hell, he will deserve to go. I am told that there's over 500 warnings in the Bible about hell. 500 times in the Bible he talks about this awful place of hell and not to go there. I want to I try to illustrate if I could. If you were going down the road and you came upon, there was a barricade in, in the road there and there was a sign, road closed, bridge out. But you ignored that barricade and you ignored that sign and you raced on through and burst on through the barricade and you come on down the road and here's another one. Road closed, bridge out, stop, danger. But you ignore the sign, ignore the roadblock, and you race on through it. And you keep going, and let's just suppose that on this particular road, 500 roadblocks and 500 times, there was a sign that said, bridge out, road closed, danger, turn around. I want to ask you, when you got to the end of there and you plunged off the precipice to your death, whose fault would it be? Could you blame the highway department? Could you blame those that put the signs up? Those that put the warnings up? Those that, those that tried to keep you from, from uh, making a uh, uh, plunge into your death? Could you blame those? No, the person could only blame themselves because the warning was given. And I want to say God has given us a blessed book. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us other believers to pray for you. He's given us the preaching of the gospel. He's put many other roadblocks in our way to keep us out of hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. That's how bad hell is. It's an awful place beyond description. Again, Jesus said, If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. If your foot offends you, cut it off. You would be better. If you've got a hand that's keeping you from being saved, you'd be better to come up here when the invitation is given and say, Preacher, I'd get saved, but, uh, but this hand, this hand, this, it, it, won't do, it won't do what I want it to do. You'd be better to come and lay your hand down and let me take this knife and chop it off. And you bow this altar and ask Jesus Christ to come in your heart and save you. And leave you a saved man. Or let me chop your foot off. 
or let me take the point of this knife and gouge your eyeball out of, your, out of its socket. And you get down on your knees and ask Jesus to be your Savior and leave here saved. Then to leave this building today with two good eyes and two good hands and two good feet and leave this building on your way to hell. That's how bad hell is. Now, the Lord doesn't tell us that we literally have to do that, and I'm not suggesting that today. But I'm trying to emphasize the awfulness of a place called hell. Hell is awful beyond description. It's a place where there's no water. The rich man begs for one drop of water. I stick my finger in that. And there's one drop hangs on my finger. He said to cool my tongue. What was the most tormented part of that rich man? His tongue. Because it is with the mouth, it is with your tongue that you decide to be saved or to be lost. And the tongue was the most tormented part. It's a place where there's no water, it's a place of eternal darkness. It's a place where you're falling forever. Probably everybody in this building has experienced the sensation of what hell's like. One part of it. If you've ever been woken suddenly, scared out of your wits, and you were dreaming, you felt you were falling off of a building, felt you were falling off into a ravine or something, and you wake up and you're so happy, it's just a dream. If you go to hell, I believe, the Bible says it's a bottomless pit. I believe that's the sensation that you experience forever. Because it's in the heart, hell is in the heart of this earth and it's turning all the time. It has sides but no bottom. It's a bottomless pit. It's a place where there's welling and gnashing of teeth. I want to tell you, hell is no joke. Hell is for real. If there were no Bible, there's enough testimony from nature itself to tell us there's a raging fire in the heart of this earth. There's enough testimony from those that have died lost uh, to the hospital to visit a man that he had tried to win to God and hadn't been successful. And he said he went into the hospital and he said he was shocked at what he saw. They had this oxygen tent over this man and said he remembered him as a huge, strong, muscular man. He couldn't believe his eyes. He said it was just like a, a pile of skin and bones laying there, gasping for his last breath. And he said he, uh, he went up to him, began the conversation began to talk to him about the Lord and about his soul. The man was still unsaved and about coming to God. And he said, uh, he said, he said, oh, I think, I think you and the doctors and, and I think everybody's making a big deal. said, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to straighten up one of these days. He says, you're not getting out. You're going to die. The doctor says you're going you're gonna to die. You're not going to live. He said, oh, I, I'll be all right. And he said he pled with him and begged him to get saved, but he wouldn't get saved. And he said he had to leave, and he had to bid his goodbye. He spent 
some time with him trying to get him saved. And he said, I left and I got down to the end of the hall and said, I heard such screaming I'd never heard in my life. And said his wife ran to the door and says, Preacher, please come back. And said that man who could hardly set up to get a sip of water, who was so weak he could hardly speak, he said he was clawing. He had tore that tent into shreds. He was screaming. They were trying to hold him in the bed. He was saying, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. And he said it made an impression on my mind that I've never been able to get away from seeing a man die and go to hell. I want to tell you, Hell is for real. Let's bow our heads, please.